Hello and welcome everybody to the In Between Podcast. We are so happy to have you here today. Yeah, thanks for stopping by. Yeah, and uh, don't forget to subscribe, you know, comment, like, do all the things. Ring a bell if you have one. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. 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 So uh, today we have a special guest. We do. Pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, What happened whenever I heard that he was actually going to be on with us? Well, I was in the bathroom and I heard in inhuman screech and I thought that maybe something had broken into the house maybe kinda, there was a raccoon I, in the corner I almost had like a fangirl moment didn't I I was seriously worried because I've never heard you scream like that before well so uh, today we're welcomed by Peyton Jones yes and uh, everybody in the world who is uh, out there wondering who Peyton Jones is Peyton Jones is like uh, he's an author uh, he is a speaker. He's a pastor. Uh, and cool what, what else are you, Peyton? Well, uh, it's funny because um, I, I thought to myself, "Is there a, nobody is going to know who I am?" So this is I, great. I, I love this. Yeah, but <laughs> but I, I I do a bunch of boring things. I build curriculum. I you know I podcast, make videos, training. But I do a lot of training, and then I do some writing, and then. Uh, trying to think what else i oh i do through the word which is like funny enough it's aimed at young people 10 minute chapter summaries of the bible i do that i forget i do this stuff like that that's a problem well that's because you have a lot of things going on all at once yeah (laughs) it it really is some of us are stupid (laughs) well you do have a lot going on and uh you have a podcast of your own which is actually how i came across you whenever I first moved to Northern California. Uh, at that time I was, I was, I came here to start a church. And for those of you who don't know that, if you're listening today, uh, that's why we originally ended up in California. And, uh, we, when we got here, I wasn't really sure exactly which direction I was going to go and how that was all going to look. And so I started looking for, um, people out there who were maybe podcasts and stuff like that, that were given some direction. And I ran into your podcast, which I think at that time, was it called hardcore? Yeah, I had a church planner magazine and then off that came the church planner podcast. And then we started doing the interviews. I would always read the books. Pete wouldn't my co-host. Yeah. And so we started a separate show called hardcore because okay, otherwise okay. he'd sit there he'd sit there and not ask any questions and people forget he was on it because he hadn't read the book. So that's how that happened. <laughs> yeah. So I, as I'm, uh, I, you know, and I, I listened to actually both versions of that. Now that you're saying it now, I realize that that's, that's the way it was broken down. But um, you know, we didn't really actually ask you to come on here because we wanted you to talk about church planting. Um, although that is a big thing that I know that you are a part of. I have listened to enough hours of you talk that I've heard some of your life story and when your kids were growing up and, and the way that you just talk about them. Of course, I've never seen you interact with them, but this podcast is really all about those conversations that dads and daughters have. And our goal has always been to have that dinner time conversation vibe, I guess, if you want to say is like those hard questions that sometimes that you, uh, you might ask or a kid might ask and really also give people a, a good perspective of how dads and Dads and kids, dads and daughters can interact with one another and just have a better family dynamic, family relationship. What What is your particular fam- family background? I was raised by a single mom. So my mom and dad split up when I was one. 
uh, dad was a uh, violent alcoholic and um, my mom left really for safety. And then she married a guy years later who was an officer in the Air Force, which moved us out to California. And they split up um, uh, another story for another day. But, uh, but I didn't grow up with um, really that positive of male role models until I was probably about eight years old. And I had a, uh, I would say he was a Scandinavian Lutheran uh, by birth and heritage, but not by practice. But uh, he ended up, until I was 15, raising me. So still to this day, uh, I'll refer to him as either my stepdad or my dad. But I had a brother, a uh, brother in and out of jail. And uh, his story, his testimony is uh, kind of crazy. He came to faith two years ago. Um, but he was a biker, combat infantry, um, kind of a rough family that I grew up in, to be honest. What kind of an impact does that have on the way that you, the way that you raise your kids? Because from, from the way that you and Pete talk, it's very different from what you. Well, it's really funny. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, from what you grew up with. Yeah. Well, I mean, first off, my wife is a fantastic mom. I learned so much from her. So, sorry, that's my train, right? So, that's going to be in the background. <laughs> it's made a cameo on your podcast. It's famous on my podcast. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I learned so much from my wife because here's the other thing. My mom was a single mom. She worked two jobs to make ends meet. So, she would come home. She'd cook for an hour and a half, and then she'd be gone. And my brother and I kind of be on our own, like I said, up until the, the point where we were eight. He was five years older. So there's a certain age at which he could babysit. But um, beyond that, like when she was, you know, a little bit younger than we were, we'd have to have a babysitter. My mom was going to night school to try to teach, you know, later on at night. She was an educator. So all of that to say, I didn't really have much of a template. I figured it out as I've gone, learned a lot from my wife. The other thing is uh, being raised, uh, coming to faith at 15 years old, I was surrounded by amazing men in my church. For example, um, to this day, uh, the ministry that I run, which is called New Breed Training, um, they, uh, there's one of my donors is a guy that came to every single football game I played in high school because uh, the men took very seriously um, the idea because we were a bunch of broken kids. I was just, I was the first in this youth group of kids that just came, started bringing all these broken kids. And the pastor was really burdened for this and said, hey, these kids are all from broken, messed up backgrounds. They've all either been expelled or they've, you know, so he said, I need you to pour in. So they had a men's study and that was the men's studies mission was to be there for the young men that were coming to faith in the church. So I was extremely fortunate from that. I was very well discipled. I was very well loved. And I spent time with a bunch of other men watching how they uh, took care of their families. How does that impact then now how you, how you react to other kids and, and, and people who have the uh, kind of a broken foundation? It's funny you ask that because if you ask Peyton Jones in the natural, he's a very grumpy old man. And I have been since I was 20. I've heard you say that. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's the funniest thing, right? Because, like, the kids will, like, I've got a bunk bed out in front of my gate right now because that's what you do here, you know. You stick it out there and someone comes by the truck and picks it up. But Friday night, the, there were a bunch of teenage kids jumping all over it. Like, it was a, a monkey bars, like their personal neighborhood gym. And I, I wasn't home, but somebody told me, one of the neighbors told me, and I wanted to come and slaughter them all. I wanted two she she bears to come out of the woods and maul them to death. And wow. you know that that's that's well, that's from the Bible. You know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, Elijah. Okay. But I was going to say, no, I, I'm muting it down. I'm only teasing. I'll say many inappropriate things before this is done. But the funny thing is, is like when when you see that, that is my natural way. But there's something that God does where that flips on the dime. And I'm able to see them as God sees them. And first off, I'm able to realize, wait a second, you were one of those knuckleheads doing that at that age, even <laughs> after you were saved. I mean, the amount of stuff we did as Christians that we thought, well, it's not morally wrong. We couldn't really go to jail for it. But the amount of just ruckus that we caused. Um, but yeah, I mean, to be honest, I need the Holy Spirit to, to help me see people the way God sees them every second of every day, or I'm I'm on the wrong side of it. Yeah, I agree. Same here. Why do you say that, Daphne? Well, my brain just automatically thinks, oh, that person's stupid for doing that. <laughs> yeah. But that's so yeah, dumb. I'm, Why would you do that? And then I'm like, okay, we need to dial back on the stupid and just relax. I am also dumb sometimes. I don't make great choices. You know, it's funny because my, my dark sense of humor has transferred over to my daughter because I will make fun of almost everything in life. And it we'll like be in the parking lot. And, and we have this voice that I'll do, and my girls love it. And it's when somebody's walking in the middle of the lane in, in, the, in the parking lot instead of off to the side, right? And I'll go, oh, is there a sidewalk somewhere? And it's this whole <laughs> voice that I do. And... And and one day, one day, my daughter and I, Liberty, she's 14, we're walking and we're right in the middle. And Liberty looks at me and says, hey, dad, now you say that people always walk in the center because they're dumb, selfish and stupid. And I'm like, yes. She goes, we're doing that right now. So how can you get mad when other people? And I said. Because what I haven't told you is I am all of those things, but I am also a hypocrite. People are also that too. And it's probably good that you learn this lesson early on. And she just laughs because once you can laugh at yourself as a parent, that's got to be 50% of it. I don't have that document anywhere. I haven't read that in the Bible, but I have learned to laugh at myself and my inconsistency. That is my major survival skill. But do you think that growing up the way that you did, actually changes your level of compassion for your own kids? Well, I, I did raise the fact that I was raised by a Scandinavian Lutheran. That doesn't help things, right? Because that's the law, right? You need a bunch of grace. And I would say after leading all the ministry that I've been in over the years, um, that grace won, right? Like yeah. when you're dealing with heroin addicts and mentally ill and the homeless, and, you know, prostitutes and what have you, you, you learn, you know, uh, people from the transgender. I know that's like super controversial now, but I mean, I was ministering to people from that vantage point. And so 
once you you begin to just see people as God sees them, that's great. So yes, I would say in one sense, I have this um, this uh, if if it were golf, I would call it a handicap, right? Like I start from losing, and yet I, I there's been enough grace in ministry for me to where I feel grace wins. And we have this rule in my house. It's it's a cool rule. I tell my daughters, you know, because um, I've got two girls, I'll tell them, look, dad is, you know, like obviously we have rules, right? Um, we're not that family. I just say anything goes, but we're, we're also trying to figure it out. So I'll often confess to my daughter, hey, you're the oldest. Um, we're experimenting on you. We're making almost all of this a judgment call. Sometimes we're right. Sometimes we're wrong. And we'll be really honest about it with her. Like we tell her, hey, we're, we're, we know we're, we're messing up here and there. Because um, maybe her phone has screen time and she can't just go to bed with it and be on it all wee hours of the night. And we're like, we, you know, we've got all these different rules. But our major rule is no surprises, please. Right? That's a radio head quote just for you young people out there. Um, but it, it's the whole philosophy is when you get in trouble, I am the first one you call, yeah. right, to help you. Not to, I, I don't want my daughter to be like, I can't talk. Oh my gosh, how am I going to tell my dad? I want my daughter to reflexively think when she's in trouble. Oh my gosh, I, my dad's on speed dial. I need him. So the the reality is that um, our rule is you can tell me anything. And yes, we have had the pregnancy talk. I have zero cause for concern with my daughter, but you got to get it out there. Yeah. So I say, look, um, I know you're making better decisions in this in life, but I'm using this as an example of, for instance, maybe one day you come to me, God forbid, like I said, I know, and she's, she's awesome. But I just say, look, nothing is too big for you to come. Like nothing is too bad. And please know whenever the, the only difference you can come to me with anything, you could say, dad, I, I, I got this phone and I can't, you know, I'm looking at porn and I'm, and, and I'm like, hey, talk to me. I can help you. I, I've, I've helped people for years with this kind of stuff. I can help you. Um, and, and nobody wants to go to their parents with that stuff, right? Like right. there's other people out there to help her too. But my point is it's that open door like, hey, everything's on the table. Everything's up. You can come to me with anything. What I, could, I remember the point where she was a preteen. She would hear me and see her little gears going. She didn't trust me, yet, you know? And so over time, there's been things where it's had to prove itself out. And when she'll tell us something, we're like, okay, all right, well, let's talk about how we're going to deal with that thing. Boom, boom, boom. It's not this, you know, like, I mean, the ministry I've done over the years, I don't think there's anything anyone can tell me to shock me, number one. But number two I, I think it's more the ministry that I've, I've been in that's actually helped shape the parent of man more than my upbringing. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have a set of like family values or uh, a, a family? Um, I don't know if you want to call it a mission statement or or something like that. But no. like the, this is who we are. No, we do often say we're Joneses, and that means you're crazy. Um, <laughs> you know. Uh, there, we kind of know we're the black sheep, you know, we'll roll up to school and there's all these like surfer dads where I'm at. And I'm like, Mr. Mr. Punk rock walking up. And I know I tell my kids, I'm sorry. I'm like the punk rock dad, you know, like you, you guys stuck with me, but, um, but they're cool. I mean, my girls, you know, it's funny cause my daughters are both mixed race. 
so they're different, right? They're they're both adopted. They're from they they don't look alike, um, and and they're kind of used to to being a little different. Plus, mom and dad were missionaries on the field for years, so um, children are just a little little off, you know. And <laughs> we go with that. We're like the Goldbergs, or you name whatever family on TV is just a little bit off. That's us. Well, just a minute ago, you said you're involved in a lot of things. And I know just from listening to you, you've got a lot going on. Do you, how, how do you balance like family time, work time, and, and all of those things? Like what, what gets the priorities and how do you do that? I'm a union pastor. I work nine to five, right? So, so basically like I won't, I don't travel. That's really hard. When we adopted my uh, second one, she was special needs at the, that killed. In fact, the, the week that we adopted her, she was in a NICU and my book dropped publicly. And the interviews I could do, I was in a hospital corridor trying to like mute enough for when the big double doors opened and a bunch of doctors came walking through. And I was also staying in the Ronald McDonald house, which unfortunately, um, I gotta be careful because I'll start tearing up when I say this, but in in the playground area and the one in Minnesota, there um, they have like memorial plaques for the children that have passed uh, from the families that stay there. And that I can remember doing an interview one night, standing out there, looking at all these memorial plaques for children that passed. And I just remember thinking, okay, here I am trying to make both of these work. And you know, book promotion is weird. I'm not a I'm not a great promoter. Like you mentioned Daphne, like, Hey, subscribe, do all the things. I'm thinking, man, I suck at that. I got to get better at that. <laughs> but, but I'm doing all this stuff. And I just remember going, you know what? This is so dumb. Like I'm dealing with life and death here with my baby who's fighting for her life in there. What am I doing? Like, I don't want to be famous. I don't, I don't want to like, like, so I just canceled. Like after that, I just canceled the rest of my interviews for my first book. And ever since then, I've kind of had like a, a tongue-in-cheek relationship with my own platform. It's not worth it to me. I don't want to be the jet setter. Um, I don't want to rush all over the world. I get invited to do really, really cool things all the time. But if I can't take my family, I just don't go. You know, it's very rare. Like I'm doing Exponential Australia right now. The theme is my latest book. So I, I unfortunately, like every blue moon, I'll do an evening event because for them it was the time uh, when I do it on Wednesday nights, like Thursday morning for them uh, or Friday morning or whatever. It's some crazy amount different. But um, yeah, that's kind of how I make it work. I just I just don't do the things, you know, and I, I get up early and I do what I got to do really early. I have dinner with my family every night um, and that's it. In fact, tonight I'm cooking, right? So I even <laughs> cook some of the dinners, you know, so... That's awesome. Amazing. Except for the early morning work part. <laughs> Not good. Yes. I, I'm, I'm usually up at five Ugh. and uh, she, she doesn't like that very well. I can barely function at seven. <laughs> Just doesn't work. Well, the older I get, I, I'm, I'm with you. I get up at five, but I can't really function until seven. So that's becoming a <laughs> thing. I think it's just a <laughs> Really, thing. as you get older, that it actually gets harder. See, as I get older, it gets easier. I think it was no, four, not, four, four, a guy thing for you. 424 this morning, I think is when it. Oh my gosh. But I knew I was interviewing Peyton, so I was probably, you know, 
still fangirling a little it, bit? It is, it is a do thing. <laughs> that I keep hearing from guys as they're going over the 4 o'clock hour is a weird one. Yes, I am starting to wake up at, in the 4 o'clock hour sometimes and not able to get back to sleep, which yeah. is strange. Yeah, That's new. The only time I've ever woken up in, at 4 was not intentionally, and it was the cat stepping on my throat. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, when, the good news is when you get older, uh, it'll be like a cat stepping on your throat on a regular <laughs> basis, but there's no cat. Great. I am so happy that I get to look forward to that. So you're a pastor, and, and are you currently working with a congregation? Yeah. Okay. So how, how does your family rest? We try to practice this. The not I started yeah. to say the idea, but it's not just an idea. Yeah. It was just one of the, the commandments <laughs> of, of Sabbath. Uh, yeah. how, how does your family rest? Weekends are sacred. Um, weeknights are semi-sacred. Um, but our dinner table every night, right? Uh, the bill, the uh, Steve Jobs rule from Apple, ironically, he had a no phones at the table. That's our rule. Um, weekends. Our sacrosanct, we just, boom, we, we hang out. Friday night is date night for Andrew and I. Um, Saturdays is all family time. Um, Sunday's church and then family time. So the weekends are ours, right? Yeah. And when I say family time, it could be extended family. Like we could go see extended, and that's typically what we do. So yeah. on a Sunday. Well, okay, I have a question. So um, I know for me, because I'm in high school, I have a lot of work that I have to do on the weekends because I'm not given class time to do it. So for your daughters, do, do, are they at that point where they have to do a lot of homework that takes them away from family yeah. time? And yeah, they, they, they have it. But um, what's kind of cool is I put the girls down every night and my wife does the homework and sometimes that switches. Right. But, um, but we've kind of learned to do a division of labor on almost everything. And Andrew is a teacher. She's an educator. She could be an awesome homeschooler. It's just not her calling, but she, um, is really good on, on the kids' homework. It actually unravels a bit when I'm doing it. Right? <laughs> I hit the math and I'm like, Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm dumber than the dumbest kid in my, in my daughter's class. That's the truth of it. Right. So, um, so I tend not to, my wife can keep up, you know, uh, English. I'm great. Like I'm always good to read with the kids. So what I'll do is, um, I'll grab a book. We actually built a reading nook in this weird oblong shaped room. Um, it's got bookshelves floating above the bed. It's pretty cool. So we've got this rad little reading nook and, awesome. uh, it's got, yeah, it's got all the classic kids books, the Narnia. Daphne's going to actually come and start stalking your house. I will I'm just telling break you, into like your house and steal your books. You're freaking her out right now. Well, you can see my library back here, <laughs> I right? Can, like, and like we are. Yeah, go on. I've been staring at it the whole time, actually. <laughs> I I am a book lover, and this is you know kind of a a, a thing in here it's 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 pretty epic so uh it's got a little token c.s lewis yeah and it just might have a secret bookshelf that opens no, up to reveal you're kidding to reveal a secret room yes that might and and that picture over the fireplace may just open up to have an xbox and playstation behind it <laughs> it just might you so, literally uh, live in a column might have a secret i'm, I'm telling you it, it is uh literally that is a Tolkien picture on the on the wall up there. I've got Tolkien swords you can't see hanging up. It's kind of epic in here. 
So I'll, I'll shoot you guys. I'll shoot your dad. Some I can't, <laughs> you just like made my brain stop working. It's, it's Tolkien and Star Wars, right? I love Tolkien so much. I wish to yeah, have the a Star Wars. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to send you some pictures. It's going to blow your mind. But yeah, the Star Wars <laughs> clashes. So that's what's in the secret hidey hole. Oh, so. that, that's and uh, am am I correct too that you all, you have some older uh, documents that that are um, yeah. yeah yeah see I've listened I have I'm a telling you famous, <laughs> I have a famous uh, Bible that I own uh, there was a, a preacher in the 20th century named Doctor D Martin Lloyd Jones and I have his pulpit Bible and that's that's kind of if you're a preacher uh, you just you just kind of you might have wet yourself a little bit just in when I said that. That's awesome. <laughs> so you said dinner is, is in the evenings with, with your family. You've got weekends. Yeah. Are your kids involved in activities and stuff like that? You know, we, we talk about yeah. a lot that a lot of Daphne's friends are heavily involved in all kinds of stuff, you know, uh, and, and families like seem to pack every hour of every day with, with stuff. And we've always said to yeah. Daphne that pick an activity that you want to be a part of and, and we'll do one thing for a while. It was gymnastics. Yeah. Now it's jujitsu, you know, and yeah, um, yeah that's fun. <laughs> uh, that's and, cool. and so now that she, she's involved in that and that's about three days a week, actually in the evenings or late afternoon. And we're like you, we have the weekends, but do, do you have that kind of restriction? What, how do your, yeah. how are your kids involved and, and, and what kind of parameters yeah. have you put on that? Yeah, we, it, it's funny because we have the same thing where they pick one. My, my oldest daughter, uh, Liberty, she's very gifted in any sport she does. She's like mass, how master chief is with weapons. My daughter is with sports. She could just pick anything up and she plays volleyball, lacrosse. She was on cheer, but that the older you get, the more you got to start picking because the practices overlap but she may do basketball she's done soccer I mean she she just she does everything but she really loves lacrosse and her team's getting really good this is their second year as a team uh, it was a new team developed and she went out for it and it's just so fun but yes um, all that to say uh, we have each girl enrolled in one thing that's Monday and Wednesday nights for us Tuesday and Thursday are slow nights at home that we love and then, um, uh, but the wife and I divvy it up, you know, yeah. she does Monday, I do Wednesday. Yeah. And, um, then like I said, Friday night, date night and the weekends, everybody, everybody together. So why don't you fill it all? Why don't, I mean, that's, well, uh, that's, this is, this is counter to culture, what we're talking about. So, so yeah. why, why don't you? Well, it's funny. You, you might have a different perspective from me than you would others um, simply because Andrew and I could not have kids biologically. They could never tell us what the science was of it. So we wanted kids and we couldn't have them for the longest time. At first we spent five years trying. Then we spent another couple of years doing the IVF, you know, uh, trying to, to do it, you know, in a lab or whatever. Didn't have them. Then went through the adoption. So by the time we got kids, kids are like our hobby. I mean, the, yeah. our kids are the funnest thing about our life. So obviously we want to see them, you know, um, I, I dread losing my kids 
You know, like how emptiness to me seems right. like, okay, I'm done. Take me home, Jesus. I'm ready. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it, it's just been so fun having a family. So how old were you when they came along? 35 for the first one, 40 for the second. Wow. Okay. That's old. Well, <laughs> hey, uh, it was, it was uh, 33 for me. So I, 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 uh, I feel your pain. Yeah. We're there. See, and you know, look old to me. And this is the thing I'll tell my kids, I'll say, uh, Hey, you know, your, 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 your friend's parents are younger than me, but I'm still cooler than they are. That's, that's exactly <laughs> so right. It evens out. That's exactly yeah. right. He doesn't know it yet. My kids yeah. don't know how cool I am. I, I tell them all the time. They don't believe me. I know how cool you are. Do you? <laughs> Mega cool. Mega cool. You're so cool. That's not a phrase. <laughs> wow. See? My friends AJ are going to totally cool. batter me for that tomorrow. <laughs> They're going to be like, you said mega cool on a podcast. Well, what's really cool is when my daughter starts listening to my music. And now we're going to shows <laughs> together, which is kind of fun. So, Yeah, that is awesome. You should take me to a concert. Yeah, you think so? Actually, wait. Who would you want to go see? I don't know. Maybe Sting. Actually, wait. Sting? Oh, she just said Sting. See, I've raised her right. <laughs> I just don't know if I can I be around that going, many people. I'm going to see him in October. <gasps> Where He's at? coming through in October. Yeah. Um, somewhere in San Diego. Yeah. So I'm going. Yeah. And uh, I, I was in church, and I told my, my uh, church right then that, hey, you know, like I said, oh, by the way, hon, I think I need to confess. I just bought steam tickets. We're going. And uh, that was funny. And Hugh Halter was there that morning speaking. And he uh, he said, Sting is my favorite. I would have <laughs> never pegged him. Uh, you won't know Daphne. Right. Hugh Halter is most likely. But you don't peg him for a Sting fan. You think he's going to be like metal death or something. Oh, you know? okay. Okay. I know exactly what yeah, kind but, of person we're thinking of. Yeah. My, I, my wife and I, I actually uh, got to take her to a Sting concert in Detroit uh, for her birthday one year. And, Amazing. And we had tickets, and we ran into somebody there that we knew, and he he said, "Where are your tickets?" And I showed him, and he goes, "Oh, you don't want those." And he took them from me, and he gave me other tickets, and they were second <laughs> row off the left side of the stage. Whoa. It was unbelievable. Oh my god, that's amazing! <laughs> it, it was uh, yeah, it was like one of those things that will never happen again in your life, you know. No, he's on my bucket list, so I got to go see him. So definitely, well done. <laughs> yeah, we he's, saw he's him. Seeing, you're seeing a legend. We saw him with uh, with the New York Philharmonic. Oh God! Like, oh man, that was, it was a real oh. yeah, yeah. Dude, that would be my jam. I'd be all about that. So I'm sure that you're such a good dad that you never have to discipline your kids. <clears throat> but if you well, do, <laughs> but if you if you did have to discipline them, what would that look like? Uh, we were big believers in timeout. So it's funny when you adopt kids, right? You, yeah. um, you, That's you, a whole you new layer. Huh? contract says you can't touch them, right? And and I was happy to do that because of my upbringing. Sure. That felt safe and right to me. And uh, like people that, that say, oh, you know, you have to hit your kids. The Bible says, no, the Bible says, using a metaphor, take a rod to a, to a cow, right? It's using a metaphor. <laughs> it's not telling you to beat your child like you beat a cow with a stick. <laughs> Like, come on. Yeah, right. I mean, I heard a metaphor, anyone, you know, so it's like, you know, (laughs) right. So I I like that you're a reader. I can tell. (laughs) And, and so here's the thing you, you actually like for us, it's correction and it's loving. So for us, you know, (laughs) I have a bad temper and we don't ever like cross the line or anything. 
but they know like that'll be like what is going on with this right here and i'm not yeah yelling at the top but we're like we like things in their place so we have like early onset ocd you know a little little anal retentive on the freudian scale there Mm -hmm. and uh and so we like things right where they go who did not hold this blanket so we have to kind of like like tamp that down a bit so it's not like constant like like clean police you know the clean police are always on duty I am not the clean uh, police (laughs) Daphne and my wife are the clean police no I'm not so that's hard because what's hard about that is that you can be the clean police in damaged relationship for something trivial the best advice I've gotten two really good pieces of parenting advice the first piece was from my brother he said, look, I look back on when I had my kids and they were at home. And he goes, you know, I go mad at him for breaking stuff because his boys are rowdy. And he said, now I don't have any of that crap. I don't remember what any of it was and I don't care about it. But I miss my boys every day. And I wish I had just not worried about that stupid stuff. Yeah. That was a great piece of advice. Um, second piece of advice uh, okay, so let me let me just go back to discipline because the second piece has nothing to do with discipline. Um, <laughs> we talk, we talk through things, we rationalize, we don't react. Um, Andrew and I will take a break if it's a big deal. Andrew and I will go talk to each other first. We'll have like you know one on one meeting, Andrew and I. Then we'll be like, okay, we'll determine what we're going to do, how we're going to do it. We strategize. And then we always make sure that grace, like we don't shame anyone. Like shame is no good's ever going to come from shame. Yeah. If a kid feels deep inside, like, I'm just sorry I hurt you. Like I know my daughter, like the other day she started to tear up because I, I, I said something and I was a little too like, Hey, I've told you this again, you know, and it just hurt her, you know? And I, I didn't realize like, you know, I'm kind of being a little bit intense but that's the other thing in my house. We're very quick to apologize, extremely yeah. quick. So I right away just looked down and said, "Hey, babe, look, um, Dad was maybe a little, little, little over angsty there. I, I'm sorry. Look, I didn't mean to make you feel bad. I give her a big hug. She's fine, you know. So in our house, the apology is is a quick, like because mom and dad aren't. It's not ego. Like we know we're knuckleheads and we're getting stuff wrong, and we laugh that we're spazzes over you know everything." like the neatness, it's not a big thing, you know, like leaving dishes in the sink, like it's those stupid things. So we have to constantly fight letting that turn bigger than it is. And yet we also have a duty and responsibility to make sure our kids aren't pigs. Now here's the funny thing, right? Um, We were out with my stepdad over the weekend and my stepdad started saying something and I look at my daughter and it was, he started telling Peyton stories when Peyton was young. Sure. And so she and I walked a little bit on ahead at a certain point. And I said, now, you know where I got that from, right? Scandinavian Lutheran, you had no chance. So that was, uh, it was pretty funny, but we just laughed. Like, cause I can laugh at that too. I don't think I'm always right. And I think that's a big part of parenting. You're not always right. You're not always going to be right. You said you had two pieces of advice, and that was actually one of the things that I kind of wanted to wrap on, up on is, is there a – I always ask this question kind of in this way. Is there something that if you – when you die and, and, and you're gone from this life that you would like to leave for the next generation? 
And yes, if it, you're not in a room, please turn the light off. Gosh, I got to pay for that. No, I'm thinking. So just grumpy dad stuff. That's awesome. I have better advice. That's a good answer. <laughs> yeah, because because I've always thought is, and I think part of it is when you start getting, you know, I'm 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 approaching fifty, and so mm-hmm. as I approach fifty, then I I, I it seems like I've started thinking more and more about legacy and and what is going to be left behind, and this idea of what is it that you would want the next generation to to know, you know, above and beyond anything else. And maybe it's more than, maybe it's more than one thing or, you know, but what is that for you? The next generation, you know, it's funny. Uh, It's not the advice that I got as a parent, but I, I think with the next generation, AI is really becoming a big thing. And I've been thinking a lot about AI, right? And, and I, what's that? It's terrifying. Yeah. I, I, I like, I like it. And I, I think it's kind of neat and I'm, I'm going to start experimenting around to see how do you use this with mission? How do you use this with ministry? Storytelling that's a given, right? That's going to be a game changer. But I think in ministry, if I were to say something to the next generation, it's this. AI will always be something that can replace us, but it will never be able to replace the Holy Spirit. So whereas you can craft a sermon or you can craft a a, a book or something, there's something that happens when the Spirit of God moves through an individual heart complete with the life experiences, all the things we've talked about today, your influences, your pain, your hardship, your life story, your experiences, that the Holy Spirit takes and distills into something special. When the Holy Spirit uses our gifts, it becomes uh, it becomes rocket fuel. It it, it just you, you can't manufacture that at home, you know. And and I think with AI, I think it's really cool to talk about its potentials, but I think that from a spiritual perspective, we're going to start seeing its limitations. And I want the next generation to know that you might be able to craft a sermon on it, but um, you're not going to be able to channel the Holy Spirit through it in the same way. God is incarnational. He sent his son. He had the spoken word like chat GPT, <laughs> but he sent his son, Yeah. right? He sent a person. He came, he, he ministered to someone with skin on. So I think we're going to start seeing the limitations as well in the future. That was not what I was expecting at all, actually. <laughs> That's just for the next generation. By then, they're like, oh, we already cracked that nut, old guy, you know. So if that comes in a time capsule, maybe maybe it'll be useful to someone down the road. But, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you all for listening. And, uh, yeah, do all the things that you usually do. And thank you so much to Peyton for uh, being a part of this podcast with us and giving us some direction, hanging out with us. I, I'm really grateful that you would uh, give up your time and uh, that we might break in on dinner just a little bit. I hope we didn't do that, but um, yeah. no, we're good. Thank you so much for letting us do this with you. <laughs> yeah, it was nice to meet oh, you. And, nice to meet you too. And if you would like to uh, see or uh, read or hear any more from Peyton, uh, I'm going to have some links below. Please feel free to check that stuff out. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again next week. Yep. Bye.